Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining me again on another Get Genius episode. Today, I am speaking with Jeffrey Davidson. And Jeffrey Davidson, he's been exploring the boundaries of world-class teams for over 20 years. And we get to hear what he's learned from all of that, including what went wrong in those years and what he's gained from that. He's a recognized expert in strengthening leaders and building teams. He's worked with hundreds of teams, taught thousands of employees, and he's consulted with multiple Fortune 100 corporations. He's super, super, super skilled in leadership, in building a high performance culture. He definitely, like a lot of guests do, changed my perception on some things. And I talk about this a little bit in the interview. It came at a really, a really good time when I was thinking to myself, hmm, I want to I want to step in and really take a deeper look at our team culture. Things seem so awesome, but how can we make them more awesome? And what are some of the kinks that we can iron out? And how do I even begin to look at that? And he's really, really great with that. And I'm going to let him do all of the talking and you get to hear one amazing dude. So enjoy the interview with Jeffrey Davidson. Hello, Jeffrey, and welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Summer. So excited to have you here. You know, it's funny, sometimes there's guests that come on the show and they come right at the perfect time where I go, you know what, it'd be great to speak to somebody who's an expert in XYZ. And you know, there's that whole reticular activation thing where you think about it, it's on your mind, and all of a sudden it's showing up everywhere. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I myself question how can I be a good leader? How can you get all of your teams together? And if they're not, how do you get past that hurdle? So I'm really excited to talk to you about those things. But before I do, if you can, from from your mouth, tell us about how this became so important to you and what your path was to what you're doing today. Well, I'll start at the beginning. I was born a small child. No, 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 not that far back. Um, (laughs) In high school, I was kind of fascinated about leadership. And in college, I was teaching a class about leadership, student leadership with the dean of students. I became a leader not long after college. And what I learned is reading about it does not make you a good leader. You've actually got to put stuff into practice. After a series of different leadership things, I realized I was no darn good at it. I was really bad which really took a blow to my ego because I thought, surely I should be great at this. (laughs) But, you know, I was in my early 30s. I'm the president of a company and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I left it all. I went to consulting and a colleague said, hey, can you come build up a team of analysts? And I'm like, sure, I can do that. And eventually said, would you lead the team? And I'm like, well, okay. And I have to tell you, that team of analysts, those people taught me how to be a good leader. It really became one of the high points of my professional career and of my life. You know, to this day, I'm still would do anything for those people that were on my team and they would do anything for me because we really became our own little family. And as I thought about it in the years since then, I'm like, you know, I felt like there was something I should be sharing with the world. I, I wanted to help people, but I didn't know what about one day I realized that I could just share my experience with this team that, you know, I bonded with so well that they taught me how to lead. And as I've been practicing the things they taught me and as I've been teaching it, 
I find that teams everywhere end up getting better. And that just fills me with joy because the leader's happy because the team is all aligned. The company's happy because things are happening, but the team is happy and they're enjoying their job. And who doesn't want to enjoy their job? Sucky teams are sucky jobs. So I love just moving everyone to this better place. There's so many different things that we do and that I try to do as a leader. And all all I can say, one thing that I know for sure, I'm going to learn more from you, is that <laughs> when you're all together and you all know that vision and you're regularly conversing with each other, because a lot of us are, you know, we have half of our teams in Salt Lake City. Some of us are here in San Diego. And so it's like, you know, you've got to use all kinds of technology to connect. And I just know that the more that we all feel connected to each other, the better the business runs and the happier they are and the more business that we do. <laughs> That's the truth of it. And when you reach that point where you're all working together, moving in the same direction, helping each other and really achieving things, it's a wonderful feeling for everyone involved. So how do you know if you are in need of this? You know, because sometimes there's that whole you can't see the forest through the trees. How do you know if your team is just kind of, eh, you know, like, uh, I mean, I have I have friends that go into work each day and they absolutely hate their job. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> and then there's other people that are like, I love where I work. It's like my own business. It's this, you know, they're so excited. Well, first thing is that if you hate your job, you need it. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're a leader and the people, you're not certain that they're working together, you might need it. If you're spending more time trying to solve little interpersonal problems or trying to figure out why people don't do the right thing, as opposed to celebrating their successes, you probably need it. I do have a trick, though, a little thing that leaders can do to see how well aligned their people are. Takes just a couple minutes. I want you to get a bunch of blank index cards, get your team together, pass out the index cards and say, why does this team exist? What are we here for? They will write down their answers on the index cards. And if you get them all back, If you've got eight or nine out of 10 with the same thing, you're doing a great job as a leader of casting your vision of talking about how you make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, some of your people are going to write a question mark. Some of your people are going to write to make money. Some of your people are going to write, I don't know. And that means as a leader, you haven't told these people, why are we a team and what are we trying to accomplish? If you don't explain it to them, they're not going to get it on their own. So that's the first thing I think that you can do as a leader to figure out if your team is working well is to just ask them in an anonymous form, what difference are we trying to make in the world? And if they don't know, then that's your first job. Start to share it. What kind of things are you seeing that, you know, team culture is such a big topic? What kind of culture do you have in your company? What are some of the things that you're seeing that might be confusing? Because I think that some people feel like they have this great team culture, but still people don't know what the vision is for the business. Can you speak to that for leaders specifically? Culture and vision, hopefully they align, but they're two very different things. So one is about who are we trying to serve? Hopefully at the end of the day or at the end of the project or at the end of the week, we have made a difference in someone's life. So that relates to why we show up and our mission. That's different than our culture, which is how do we work together? One of my favorite definitions of culture is, and this is especially true for leaders, is what is rewarded, what is punished. And if you say our culture is 
when we serve a client, we're always on time. But if you call a staff meeting and people are two to seven minutes late, then you're not really rewarding timeliness. And if you don't say anything, you're allowing tardiness. So the question is, what are you valuing? What we value is what we encourage or allow or punish. And I think that those actions are the biggest part of our culture. You know, I go into lots of companies and they have these posters of this is our mission statement. These are our values. That's corporate propaganda. The question isn't what's on the poster. (laughs) But what do you tell people? Like, no, no, no. Around here, we don't show up five minutes late. We show up two minutes early. That little comment means that we have a culture of punctuality as opposed to tardiness. Here's the thing. If the leader says we have a culture of punctuality and then the leader shows up late every other time or once a week, the people will say, this isn't real. You know, we say one thing and we do another and that will kill anyone's spirit. Don't think it won't. You've got to live what you're talking about. This reminds me of parenting. (laughs) (laughs) It is so true. Do you want a secret I don't tell many people? Yes. I love secrets. The secret to leadership, to my mind, is actually incredibly easy. And that is, related to parenting, love your team as if they were your family. Right. In other words, I'm not saying you have to give hugs at work like you give hugs, you know, at home, or you have to blow on a boo-boo at work like you would at home. But I do want to say that if you care about your staff, you're going to find out what interests them. You're going to find out what they're good at. You're going to find ways to encourage them. And when they do something right, you're going to say, good job. And they do something wrong and say, ooh, that's a little bit dangerous. Please don't do that. And you will work with them just like you would work with your family. And you will learn to understand them and you will share with them. And you will accomplish great things. I don't talk about this much because people don't get it. But you went there with parenting and I'm just jumping on top. Yeah, so. no, I love it. It's so true and it's it's relatable. It really is. If you treat your people like their family, and I'm not saying your family and your work colleagues are the same level of importance in your life. I, I'm not being silly about this. I am saying treat them like their family. Treat them like they're important. Treat them like what they want to contribute is worthwhile. And tell them how they're doing. It helps your family and it helps your workplace. Now, a lot of employees and and team members don't even know what it is that they should know. (laughs) What is it? What are those? What are the questions (laughs) that they should be asking? They don't they don't know. And it's up to us as as leaders to provide them with that. What are some of those questions and things that they need to know? You've got me jumping up and down with excitement. <laughs> you are a great interviewer because you so get this topic. You really do. I do. I um, told you. It's it's like it's top of mind. It's like those things where I'm like, oh, I think I'm a great leader and, and my team loves me and this and that. But it's like there's always ways that you can improve forever. There's no doubt. So let's imagine. Let's go back to the family example first. Okay. You're teaching your 12-year-old son how to load the dishwasher. And he's got plates laying sideways and cups upside down. And, you know, the silverware is kind of thrown in the bottom. (laughs) And and you're like, you could yell at him, but it's not, that's actually not going to teach him how to do the job. Right. What you need to do is say, here, let me tell you my expectations for how to load the dishwasher. I want you to put the cups upside down on the top. I want you to put the silverware standing up, point side down in this tray. I want you to put the plates side by side here in the bottom. The same is true for your employees. So often we think, I hired them. 
they should know how to do everything. <laughs> but the truth is your business is a little different than the last business. It's not exactly the same as any other place to work. And your staff needs to know what the expectation is. How do the cups go? Where does the silverware go? How do I put the plates in? They need to know that about how do they punch the clock or how do they fill out the expense report or how do they take a customer call? You need to express these things. And then just like at home, you tell your son how to load the dishwasher. The next day he does it right. And you say, good job. That's what I was talking about. The next day at work, you should say, good job. That's what we talked about. Right. We have to give them feedback. If you wait 12 months to tell your employees how they're doing, they will think you don't care. If you train your son how to do the dishwasher and don't give him feedback for 12 months, you will have a disaster and a lot of dirty dishes. Yes. <laughs> no, and I love how you said, you know, you keep rewarding and acknowledging that because you can reward and acknowledge it one time. But then if you don't keep that up, then it's like, oh, it's kind of like you just popped your head in and noticed and now you don't care anymore. It's, it's that whole consistency thing. It really is. And to my mind, all team members have some questions that they want answered. And one of them is, how am I doing? Mm. And if you don't provide that to them, they're going to have to ask someone else. They're going to take guesses. They're going to ask the lazy guy sitting next to them. They're going to ask that disgruntled worker that, you know, has been here five years too long and she doesn't like anyone or anything. So you need to provide that feedback. Absolutely. Here's how you're doing. Yes. So I want to build combine two things you've asked about, if it's okay. You asked about culture and you asked about what I consider setting expectations in this little feedback loop of telling people how you're doing. You can combine those and you can have a culture of feedback and continuous growth. And the way to do that is as a leader, I will have a meeting and I will take someone aside afterwards. So one of my staff and I'll say, you know, here is my goal for the meeting. Is there anything that I could build upon to do even better. And then after they answer that question, I will say, is there anything, you know, given what I was trying to do where I should refocus because it didn't work. And I will show as a leader that I want a regular dialogue about given my good intentions, what can I build upon to become great? Where should I refocus because I missed my goal? And then I teach my team to ask each other that. And then I will say to employees, hey, that was a good meeting. Will you ask me the questions? And I will make them ask me that question or those two questions. Because our brains, that's something to do with our neurochemistry in there, that when you ask the question, you are more likely to listen to the answer. So I will just have people ask me, what can I build upon? And then I tell them and say, where should I refocus? And then I'll tell them. And it builds a culture because we're constantly having this conversation. Every team member should be asking those two questions at least once a week of someone on the team or of a customer or of a leader. And that way we regularly have the chance to learn how we're being effective, to learn how we can be better. I love it. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what would you say, though, as a leader, as a manager, as a CEO, you know, those type positions, you're often very busy. <laughs> I know that's like, yes. that's like the bad word to say now, but you're, <laughs> you're constantly creating and doing and doing new things and trying to run things. And you've, you've got a lot going on. Somebody who is in that position right now, who's like, yeah, I don't even have time to do this with my team or do that. I'm, I'm going to rely on so-and-so what's the advice that you would have for 
someone like that? What's what's that first thing that they can do to actually start to bring that team together to feel so that that team is feeling like, wow, I'm actually a part of something that's so wicked cool. You know, I understand that we're all so busy and that it's hard to achieve all these things. I think in some ways it's like an investment. If you think I want to retire in 24 years, I'm making up a number and I want to have a great big stock portfolio, but I don't have enough money to invest in stocks. Then in 24 years, you're not going to have a portfolio. You're going to have a day job because you got to keep on working. Right. The same is true for your team. Your team when working well is a multiplier, is an enabler, is a great set of people and they become an organization that drives your whole company to achieve its mission. And if you don't invest a little time up front, they won't achieve it and you will stay busy. So my first comment to leaders is, if you're too busy to spend any time with them, then you will always be too busy and they will never achieve what they want or what you need. Part of that is it doesn't take too long to set that vision and it doesn't take too long to say, here's our goal for the next three months or the next week, depending on how big you want to set it, of what we're trying to do. Here's what success would look like. Mm -hmm. And then say, I don't have a lot of time, but I will give you as a team a few minutes a week. I want to get a report from you and then I'll give you some input on where you're doing well and how you could do even better and then how where you could refocus. And if they come back in a week and say they're in the wrong direction, then that's your clue to say, ooh, I need to set better expectations. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do this in just a few minutes a week. And I think it deserves more than that. But you can start there. And just starting there will start to pull those people together. Oh, I think that's so great. Now, what about you're building your team? What are some of the hardest obstacles that leaders will come across when trying to do this? Because I would imagine that, you know, if you if you are building a culture or you're you're introducing new exercises and practices to really, you know, bring everybody together and share that same vision, some people might be all in. Some people might be one foot out. You know what I mean? People are going to be in different mm -hmm. areas. Mm -hmm. And for some of them, especially if you're just starting this, it's going to be like, wait, what? Where did this come from? So what, what are some of those big obstacles and how can you get through them or get past them? Overcome them, I should say. Right. You know, I think there's a couple kind of obstacles. One is the leader and one is with the team and one is with the environment around them. With the leader, the leader's often too busy, but I'll give you a secret, another one. A lot of leaders, not all of them, but a lot of leaders say they're too busy when what that really is a code for is, I don't know how to talk to my people or I'm afraid if I give them any critical feedback, they won't like me. Mm. So the first thing we have to know as leaders is our people are dying for this information. And it's not about liking you, it's about you being kind enough to be honest. And to say, here's how you're making a difference. But I see so much more from you. If you could do this, it would be even better. That's the first thing we have to know as a leader is that us withholding things or holding it in doesn't help them. It doesn't make things smoother. It makes things rougher yeah. because we're operating with authority information. For the team, there's no doubt that some of your team members might not want to be there. And some of them might love it. And some of them are probably already looking. The first thing I think you need to do is to get to know your team and then to tell that team members themselves like, hey, Summer, 
I see that you have a potential to do this. And we can't do all of that here, you know, in the next month because we're doing some other things in the business or in our department. But if you were to start to do this, I really see where you have a lot of potential to grow. So get to know your people well enough that you can show that you have an interest in them and that you're helping them achieve something, something they often don't even see in themselves. And that will pull many people on board. Now, remember, I said you have to be honest enough to be kind and kind enough to be honest. If you've got a superstar jerk, you've got to acknowledge that that one superstar is hurting everyone else on the team by their jerkiness. So get him to stop being a jerk, give him that critical feedback or let him go because you're hurting everyone else. Right. And your people see that you will take a jerk no matter the cost. So that's another thing. And another is ask the people, do you right have the right tools and processes to get your job done? If this is our vision, if this is how we want to make an impact on our customers and this is where we're going and this is how what success looks like, say to the team, what part of our tools and processes do we need to improve? Pick just one and that will help everything get done better. It shows your people you care. It gets rid of impediments so they can do their job better and your customers will be more delighted. How often, you know, some people do like the annual review um, or the six month review, how often, and if you, if you already said this, I apologize, but how often are those, you know, Hey, you've got this potential and I see that you can become even better in this area. How often are those conversations or should they be happening? A lot of companies have a formal process to do annual or six months and that's fine. My problem is that's just not enough. So if you have to do that because of some HR rule, go ahead and do it. I think that everyone needs input at least once a week. When I have a new employee on my team, I literally, uh, back when I had offices and cubicles, I would move someone outside my office away and put the new person literally right outside my office so I could talk to them multiple times a day. Because when you start a job, that's when you know the least. Yeah. So that way, if they had a question, we were close. And I don't always have time for them, but they knew I was right there. And for the first one month or six months or whatever it would take, I would keep them close so I could answer their questions. So sometimes that would be three times a day that I need to help them give, clarify some expectations or give them some critical feedback or let them know that this was a good idea. I think that that's important. In general, I'd say once a week is the minimum. But if you're brand new, you need more. Now, if you're a superstar and you're doing great on the team and everyone comes on you, you might not need that critical information once a week. But we should still be touching base regularly. And I think six months is way too long. Yes. You no, know, imagine, <laughs> I, imagine, you know, we talked about family and a son. Imagine summer you're married and you've got a delightful husband and he's been doing a great job with the family. And you say, honey, you're doing so good that I'm going to go away for a year because you don't need any more feedback or assistance. <laughs> when you came home in a year, would your key still work? No, exactly. It's so true. But we do that to our people. Come on. Treat them like a family member you care about, not about some stranger you want to get rid of. Oh, I totally agree. I'd love to hear, you know, your experience of how you've worked with other companies and, and came in. If you could give us, you know, one example of where they were when you came in, how you worked with them, what that process was like, and and what the results were. I was just recently working with a company in Utah. They serve some health products, and I didn't work with a call center. They've got 6,200 people in call center, but the rest of their staff is, let's say, 80 people. 
And they had done an amazing job hiring. But what they didn't have was an understanding of how to work together. So I worked with a number of different teams and I said, what are your goals? How do you measure goals? What does success look like? How do you work together? And I helped them start to find their own way as individual teams. Then I gave them a little bit of training. First two days, like all the team members, and then another day as for the leadership team to say, here's how to help you lead up a little bit better. And it went so well. I said, Jeffrey, we love this. What's the next step? (laughs) And for them, we called a company-wide meeting of those same people. And we said, here's what we want to accomplish in the next three months. And we said, every team present what you think is the priorities. And then the executives went around and said, ooh, that sounds really good. Or, ooh, why don't you adjust that? Or, how come you have four times more work than you have people? (laughs) Which is what the marketing department had. And the beauty of this is having all these people in one room is everyone had an understanding of everyone else's work. So when you go to collaborate, you can see, oh, this is my priority, but it's not even on your list. Can you even help me? Or this is number one for one department, but it's number six for another department. Or like marketing, they had three times too much work. They couldn't get everything done. Being able to see all this work and really collaborate to say, let's set one vision for the company. Let's set some priorities. And then let's make sure that we're giving the right resources and communication and collaboration together. They've done amazing things. And their business has grown by more than 50% in the last nine months. Wow. And they blame a lot of it. on First, they had good people and they were growing. But this collaboration between everyone, oh, it's done an amazing thing for them. Well, there's nothing like, you know, enthusiasm to get stuff done. <laughs> when when you lack that, you're just not, you're not motivated. You don't really care about the outcome. And it goes back to that whole, you don't, doing things with other people, you just, you progress so much faster and so much more effectively. There is that level of like getting excited to wake up because you've got other people working with you. You're all collaborating. And there is that sense of enthusiasm, like you're excited and you know you're going to move that needle because it's you're pumped up now and people are acknowledging the work that you're doing. But if you're kind of feeling alone and not appreciated, it's just like, well, what's what's the point? Why would you put your all into it? There's no doubt. I like to say that if you don't give your people an understanding of what the big picture is and how they fit into that. If you don't cast a vision and then say, here's your part in this vision, when they wake up tomorrow, they have a choice. They can hit the snooze button or they can pop out of bed. And if you haven't told them why the mission is important and how their role is important, they will hit the snooze button. And some people, they like to wake up early, but they might as well have hit the snooze button because they're just not contributing that much at work. I'd love to ask you as a, an entrepreneur, a, a speaker, somebody who's had such a, you know, dynamic influence in so many businesses, what has been one of your toughest challenges or failures in <laughs> life? And what, what did you learn from that? I'm going to go back to before I worked with that team that taught me how to lead. I was president of a small company in Dallas, Texas. We had staff of 27 or so. And... I wasn't certain what I need to do. So I sat in my office and I kept busy, but I wasn't making a difference. And I knew that we weren't firing all cylinders. I knew that there was a lot of misses. And instead of going out there and addressing the problems, I just stayed busy with my stuff. And instead of asking for help, I stayed busy with my stuff. And I think that when you know that there's an issue, you need to pause from working on your stuff and say, which is most important? This thing on my plate 
or getting the whole organization, whether it's your department, a team, the whole company, moving in the right direction together. And if you need help, reach out. There's a lot of folks who want to provide you some assistance. So please, please don't just stay busy with your stuff while you hide from other issues. Take action. Where can our listeners find more information about you and what you do? Can they connect with you? And if so, where? That'd be great. I try to make it easier and I've got something for listeners. My website is greatteamsltd.com. That stands for Great Teams Limited. But if you go to greatteamsltd.com slash more, M-O-R-E, I've got a couple free resources. I don't even ask for your email address. And there's some things that you can do to help your team work together better, to help you set a vision, to help you start to build a feedback culture so that you can continuously grow. I've got some free resources there, greatteamsltd.com slash more. And on the website, you'll find out about me, a little bit about my past, my phone number, my email address, my Twitter handle. Please do connect. But mostly, just work with your team. They want to be great, and they're counting on you to help them get there. Thank you so much. And thank you for for those resources. And we'll make sure to have all of that noted for anyone who reads the blog, the transcript, or, or looking at the show notes. We'll have links to all of it. Oh my gosh, Jeffrey, thank you so much. I'm so happy to connect with you and learn about all this really good stuff that's so important, not just for, not just when it arises, but I mean, it's like, it's a continuous thing that is forever important in your business. It is. And Summer, it's been a real honor to share. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests. 